I'm your host, Katrina Gazarian, and we have my friend Omar Syed of Ties.com back for our CEO series. Omar, how are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing, I'm doing good. Um, I feel like um, sometimes I feel bad for about? that I, about being positive or like feeling positive about whatever is going on. I've noticed that people Social that I've construct. talked to. Social maybe. construct. Yeah, you're, 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 uh, it's just like uh, uh, mid, mid, uh, uh, mid 1800s guilt <laughs> that you're feeling. You know, this idea it's that you're supposed just me. to. It's not just me. Like other people I've talked to, they're like, I, I, you're, I weirdly am doing really well. I'm like, huh, why is that weird? It's kind of good, right? So I don't know, maybe, maybe we're too far, like we're too close. We're, we're looking at our hands um, too closely and we can't really see what's happening. Um, and, and maybe later we'll realize something that's, that's afoot. Uh, but a lot of people are doing well, like financially, you know, like I know a, a lot of um, like one of my mentees that's in my program is like absolutely crushing it. Um, mm-hmm. He just happens to be in a really good, good sort of like business. Um, and he pivoted a little bit. Is it drop shipping? No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, yeah, but he's doing well. Um Another one of uh, my friends who does, um, yeah, I, I guess I can, she, she does gloves, like, uh, okay. so eco gloves. Jeff, talking about Jeff's yeah. wife. Yeah, uh-huh. and she's doing really, really well. Yeah, I saw that. Um, That's super cool. Uh, I have another friend who's in makeup, and she is just, her business just sort of growing. I mean, it's a new business, but still doing really, really well. But um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, doing- I, don't, I, I don't think like you're supposed to like feel guilty for, for, for doing well. I think it's, it's, you're not supposed to flaunt it. Right. Right. Cause I'm going to go Lisa Ferrari. Um, oh, you mean Lamborghinis? Cause those things are coming up. All those, all those uh, drop shippers that are losing their cars. Their exotic oh. cars. That's about bound to happen, right? And get one for a good deal. I could rent one for a good deal. Uh, yeah, you probably could. But what, what are you doing it for? Because I want to be an influencer. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> goodness gracious. Um, that is a formula, though, right? Um, you rent something on Airbnb, a house on Airbnb, and then you lease a car or go rent a car, and then you shoot a video. And uh, then you tell other people to come sign up for your course, those who can't teach. Hmm. I think I'm going to do that. I, I grew up with a, in a Middle Eastern household, Asian household, right? Hmm. Um, and I suspect maybe- Did you maybe, say Asian? Yeah, Afghanistan is technically in Asia. So is Iran, so is Kazakhstan, 
Oh, okay. See, because my parents are from Egypt, so we're like, we say African. North Africa, yeah. yeah. Um, so in any event, so I, I grew up with sort of like Middle Eastern culture, right? This idea of like living at home, which is very common in many, many parts of the world, not just sort of Middle East, but also Asia, Africa, South and North. I, I, I grew up and I didn't actually move out until um, I was, um, I moved out for college, but then I moved back in um, and then I didn't move out. I, I just didn't have a reason. Both my businesses were doing really, really well. I like came home really late, left really early. And the only thing I really could splurge on were cars. And so, and like, I just, you know, like I didn't have time to date anyway. Um, and so like for four years, I ended up living at home. Um, and I don't see like the downside of it. If you're just like focusing on work specifically, and you're in your mid twenties, like early to mid mid twenties, like this whole idea of moving out is a very romanticized Western notion of independence. But it, what it really does is it, I think, prohibits you from um, financially growing. I think there's like a cultural pressure to get you to move out, so you incur, you know, um, I mean, would you rather live with a bunch of roommates, you know, in a shitty apartment somewhere? or go spend a lot of money on an apartment by yourself um, just for the sake of saying you're moved out. And so you incur these like bills um, that you could be just like saving your money, right? If you, you could save, let's say on an average, let's say in Southern California, for instance, you could save like, I don't know, an apartment goes for a one bedroom apartment goes anywhere from 1800 to $2,000, right? Like a decent apartment. Mm -hmm. That's $24,000 in a year. If you could save that in a year and go by yourself and out of state, sort of income property, whether it's single family or a duplex or something like that, that's immediate cash flow for you at like 35% cash or cash on cash returns, right? You're not going to, this isn't like, uh, you know, in 20 years, property values are going to uh, increase, but what you're buying is cash flow for yourself. So would you rather, you know, make someone else rich in Southern California and pay their mortgage or pay their, you know, pay rent so they can live like a fat cat? Or do you want to live at home and save money? It's this like system that we've built, right? This like cultural pressure to move out, but there's this economic disadvantage to it. I mean, you say that it's a cultural pressure, but I, I, I don't know if, I don't think many people are succumbing to that pressure. I think more people, more and more people live with their parents as they, as they get It's different older. now. No, no, it's different now. I'm saying when, when you and I were in our oh. Uh, oh, early twenties. When you... <laughs> um, I feel like every podcast there should be a disclaimer that says you and I are only three to four years apart or whatever it is. Or not? Pretend, how how you old are you? I'm like 48 and you're 22. How old are you? Let's just get this out. Okay. I I just turned 33, so it's a solid five years. Okay, whatever makes you sleep better at night. Okay, that's good. It does actually. Hey, so I kind of want to talk about, um, I mean, you're a CEO and you have to manage employees and you have this, you know, you have a company, have the challenges with employees changed during this period? Um, or you, do you feel like the challenges you had before with employees are more or less the same as they are now, not being um, in the office with them? I've traded some challenges for others, right? The office politics has gone away. Um, it has reduced to a great extent, but we, we've had a pretty solid culture to begin with. And uh, most people are, 
understand the sort of dire situation that everybody's in and not just like us as a company, but also our clientele, you know, our customers, the country uh, in general, and keeping those lines of communication open with them and explaining to them like, hey, this isn't business as normal and business as usual. Our customers are really hurting or the economy at greater extent is hurting. Even people who normally don't participate in macroeconomic conversations, let's say at a personal level, even they are involved in this sense and they understand the gravity of it. So the camaraderie has, has become better, but I think what I've traded some of the challenges are things that I cannot foresee right now, things that keep me up at night, for instance, Okay, so if I completely go remote and I make everybody, all the companies go remote, like you know Jack Dorsey just basically announced and said, for the foreseeable, well, not even for the foreseeable future, he said forever, if you're mm-hmm. a Twitter employee, you can work from home, right? You may work from home, which means, I, I, um, which means he's doing it for a reason. But nevertheless, um, if if I choose to say the same thing, I say, hey, I I want to work, make the company uh, go remote. You know, what are my liabilities? What are my OSHA liabilities for these employees at home? You know, do I need to set up a workstation for them? Do, do I need to send an investigator over that measures how they're sitting? You know, or the, am I opening myself up or are companies in general opening themselves up to great liabilities? And then in terms of equipment, what does that mean? So do I, when I hire a new employee, do I give them an allowance to go out and buy, you know, their own desk from whatever approved vendor that I that I, I say how, what does our process look like you know so these are the kinds of questions that keep me up at night yeah I, I would think I would think that um I mean just we've been remote for the most part um since the company began and we just buy everything for them and send it to their house you know so chair we, you you buy an office chair, chair a desk chair desk monitors, and then what happens when they when the laptop. employee leaves do they get to keep it no, they they have to give it back. So how does that work? Now you're hiring movers to come and pick up a chair and a desk and a monitor and a keyboard and all that stuff. You either that or you you know you provide them with whatever cost it is going to be to pack it up. I mean they're not we're not buying them an executive desk. It's not you know that heavy, or we go pick it up ourselves. It just depends that, on. But circumstances. that's not scalable, right? That's not scalable. It's not, it's not when you scalable. Have 20, when you have 25 employees, that's not scalable. I think beyond like five employees, it's not scalable. And then well, who's I, doing I mean, it, right? At a small company, the CEO is doing it. How much of their effort is that worth? I would rather have them spend a couple of hundred bucks on an Ikea desk that I reimburse them for and call it a day. No, that's, I, I, I get that part. Um, but I mean, in, in the sense of, the thing is OSHA hasn't really come out with a lot of, regulations oh, no, yet so there's, maybe not there's they're still like fine-tuning it maybe not coronavirus related but i know for a fact that there are large 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 insurance companies that um have their employees working from home pre all of this um my business partner's mother it was a nurse until she retired for a very large insurance company and they would send in um, somebody from HR that would come and measure um, the desk that was getting used, look at the seating position, and then give a tutorial on, you know, sort of like how mm-hmm. to sit, where to sit. And, and then, you know, they would have to sign all these waivers for saying that they wouldn't, you know, like type for too long, all the stuff, all the stuff mm-hmm. that goes with it to protect themselves against like 
I don't know, lawsuits against carpal tunnel syndrome and whatever else that comes from, like sitting and staring at a monitor that's not properly set up. But they, again, so those are the kinds of stuff that like I ask. But I suspect that like the whole remote working industry is a far mature industry in that if I really moved into that, that I could probably get enough documentation or research or hire, you know, Eva Abe mm-hmm. again and, and, and we could probably go through Wait, that. you fired us? No, I meant like, you know, uh, <laughs> I don't know why I said that, but um Wait, yeah so like let me check Eva my would like well what you need to do is probably like dig into that because if i'm your client and i come back to you and i say hey i don't want to be i want to be remote from now on we probably need to dig into that well i totally understand that but i also think insurance companies um like your your workers comp insurance carriers should provide that service just like they provide like risk analysis to your warehouses and things like that yeah yeah, so um, that, in terms of challenges to, you know, if I didn't want to get in the nitty gritty, but that's one of them. Um, the other one is like, you know, my cultures, the company cultures like effectively changing. We're doing Friday hour happy hours, you know, like um, every Friday, um, which is kind of nice. You get to like sort of gather everybody around, you know, the computer monitor. We all sit down. There's time differences, you know, with people in different states. I'm in a different country, um, but we get to share like personal stuff with each other, like from, you know, they one of my business partners for instance is like redoing his backyard and and so we get to talk about that we have another business partner that's sort of like quarantined really hardly and uh, really harshly and so he can't really leave and so we get to let's do you know his lines and you know we have employees who um, can't travel some employees who are like you know sort of traveling from vacation home to vacation home so it's Mm kind of nice but yeah but our culture is changing for sure do you think it's changed for the better? Like, do you feel like you all are like more united because of it? I think we're united, but I don't know if that's just because it's temporary. I don't mm-hmm. know how, how it's going to be because a lot of most, most of my employees with the exception of one um, or two rather know each other very, very well intimately because we've worked with each other for such a long time, you know, so we've done tons of lunches together um, tons of like outings together. This so like everybody has really good rapport with each other. Um, I don't know as you add new team members how that's going to change. So you know some of these some of these some of our team members have had a lot of rapport with each other over over the years, and then the new ones don't. So yeah, that's going to naturally change. I think. Do you think with Jack Dorsey and Twitter, uh, just using them as an example of they're they're essentially just giving the option, right? to whoever if they want to work from home they can work from home or like or is it do you think it's better to give employees the option regardless of what position they are i mean obviously if they're like customer fulfillment and they have to be in a warehouse that's different but for positions that have the capability to work remote should it be up to the employee to decide if they if they want to work from home or not or do you think it's up to the company to decide like which teams and which, you know, positions can work from home while the rest need to be on site. So this is, we don't have to hypothetically speak about this because Jack Dorsey is not the first person to do this. Um, David Hansen and Jason Friedman of Basecamps did this many, many, many years ago. Um, in fact, they wrote a book on sort of remote working um, called Rework. Um, everybody should read it. It's a pretty interesting book. Um, but, you know, they sort of like really believe in the idea of, 
of working remote and the sort of principles behind it and the advantages of it, but they maintained an office. Now, what a lot of people don't know is that they privately took some funding, so took some chips off the table. So they had a lot of not only just cash flow because they were they were a SaaS model business, but also that um, they had received private funding from Jeff Bezos. Um, so they had they had a lot of money to be able to bankroll having really nice offices that hardly anybody came into. Um, and then once a year, they would gather everybody together. And, and I don't know how that culture has changed. I don't know if they still do it. Um, and what I suspect would happen is that eventually most, most everyone just wants to work remote because if you come into the office, there's some people who really enjoy coming into the office and there's some people who just want to get away and come into the office. Some people just don't have the circumstances to be able to work from home. Um, like even my wife and I, my, you know, my wife works um, from the house. I work from the house and, um, you know, we're setting up a separate space for her right now. And we've decided instead of being in separate offices that we were going to like dedicate one exact one room specifically for an office. And um, instead of being in two different uh, rooms, because we had dedicated two different rooms and it's just, you know, a lot of wasted space. Um, but, you know, like there's the camaraderie of like the water cooler conversation. You, that's the kind of stuff you miss from just your day to day. So I, I think it depends on like, each individual's like personality, but as far as the company is concerned, should they allow their employees to take, to, to have that decision? I think it depends on how big the company is and how much bankroll they have, you know, because the cost of keep upkeeping an office for just the nature or um, ability to let people come to work is sort of cost prohibitive in my opinion, unless you're just sort of, you know, got, got it like that. You, we were thinking about keeping a smaller office and just giving people the ability to come in or like once a week, everybody comes in or once a month, everybody comes in, you know, sort of like to, to, to keep, keep that content going. So I think it just depends on the kind of culture you have. Jack Dorsey, on the other hand, just so I can wrap up this thought, that's a power play for him. So I don't know if you um, recall, but a few months ago, um, Jack Dorsey had sort of come out and said he no longer wanted to live in San Francisco that he was going to run both uh, Square, which he's the CEO of, and Twitter, uh, which he's the CEO of, um, remotely, and he was going to move to Africa um, and sort of, you know, dedicate a lot of his, um, uh, you know, professional attention towards nonprofit, um, his own nonprofit, and, you know, help with sort of greater world problems. And so, um, and I think Square was okay with it. The board at Square was okay with it. But what really ended up happening was there was a board member at Twitter that really went after him publicly. Um, and I don't know his, his or her name, but somebody went after him publicly and basically it got shut down and they wouldn't let him leave. Um, so I think it's his power play. I think he's like, mm. fine. Now that coronavirus is happening, he's taking advantage of it. He's saying everybody can work remote. So if you deteriorate sort of like need for the office space to be there, he doesn't necessarily have to be in San Francisco anymore. So, but I think what's going to happen, I think as a result of it is other companies are going to follow suit or other companies have also seen it. Um, you know, commercial real estate is going to be really, really interesting space to be in in the next like five years or so. There's an argument yeah. to be said that like, you know, the offices that do need to stay, that they're going to require more space because now you can't really have people sitting close together. You need like bigger cubicles and you need, you know, distancing, blah, blah, blah. But I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if anybody I, wants to really do that. I was, I was never really a fan or a huge fan of like the open 
layout office space. Yeah. Um, yeah. I find it, I found it very distracting sometimes. Um, yeah. You know, just people coming well, in. And, and you, saying, you've been in our offices, so you know this. Um, and we kind of fell into that trap um, mid 2000s and we really built these beautiful offices mid 2010s. I should you say. realize you just cut me off, right? Like I, I you apologize. just, you talked for oh, like sorry. five whole minutes and then I started oh, talking sorry. and you cut me off. Okay. okay I ahead. just, I just want you to like be aware of when you do that. <laughs> okay. I, I thought you were done with your, with your thought. Go ahead. Uh, no, I just take time to speak. Um, anyway so i was never a big fan of it i don't necessarily think that having individual offices is great either but i do believe in having some type of like partition or something so that way people aren't just coming up to you while you're on focus work and interrupting you because they want to talk about you know what they had for lunch or something like that so um i even had this idea one time of of like these lights like have people, everybody having like these little focused work lights. And it was basically like, don't interrupt me. Like if the light was on, like, let me focus on what I'm working on right now and don't come and talk to me until the light is off. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we have that. It's called wired in. Um, mm. So we had lights um, and then we went to a dashboard on the, so you've been in our office, every department has their own, has their own uh, monitor. That TV, monitor yeah. was a, yeah, and so they were supposed to have a dashboard that showed who's wired in within that department. So when you walked in or you walked by that, if it said, you know, like, I don't know, you know, James is wired in or David is wired in or, you know, um, anybody's wired in that you wouldn't interrupt them. And that worked really, really well when everybody really observed it. Um, and then people, um, this is what ends up happening is that people themselves stop using it. And so therefore other people feel like, well, if the company rule is that I only interrupt, I, I don't have to, inter I can't interrupt you if you're wired in, you must be okay with me interrupting you if you're not wired in. And so then, you know, like that's what ends up happening. And then like, I, I can't tell you how many times I would sit across somebody like, oh yeah, this is really distracting. And I'd be like, yeah, you're not wired in. Why don't you wire in? And then the automatic sort of like knee-jerk reaction is, well, you know, um, even if I'm wired in, I can hear people talk. I'm like, okay, well, you signed up for an office. Like you knew everybody was out in the open, right? And we have private spaces. So if you're really that sort of like easily distracted, then pick up your laptop and go into a conference room. So, mm. um, but yeah. Um, yeah, so interesting, interesting times to, to sort of like think about what our challenges are going to be. Yeah, I agree. Um, I also think, I mean, everybody's getting this like $600 a week premium if their hours were reduced or if they're furloughed or laid off or, you know, whatever capacity their income was lessened. And so it now I just, I've found it very counter or very conflicting that they have these PPP loans and the PPP loans are, you know, they were made to bring employees back and have them working, but yet some of them are making more not working. And so they don't want to come back. Um, and then you have, you know, in California, you have the governor who issues this executive order about, you know, basically if an employee contracts the virus, if they have been on site 
within the 14 days, it is presumed that the employer is responsible through workers' comp liability. So just like a lot of conflicting things happening where as a business owner, it's really hard to understand what the right, you know, step is going to be. Yeah. I mean, I don't have any comment for that other than just sort of continuing to harp at how broken our system is in general, right? Um, how, why is it okay for, for you to be able to go into Target or for you to be able to go into Walmart or Costco um, in droves, right? Mm -hmm. Or Home Depot for that matter. But it's not okay for a mom and pop shop to open their, their you know, three-man crew restaurant. You know, look, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a card-carrying sort of, you know, uh, libertarian. I don't necessarily subscribe to any sort of like um, uh, status quo political ideologies. Um, but to your point, the, the, there's a lot of conflicting sort of um, uh, conflicting information floating, right? At the same time, they want us to continue employing people because they say everything's going to get better. But things aren't going to get better if people aren't getting healthier and people aren't going to get healthier if um, you have these loosely these, you know, you don't have a hard crackdown. Okay, so I'll give you a really great example. I quarantine, my wife and I have quarantined ourselves really, really hard because we have a new baby. And I don't know if I would have done it if, if we didn't have a baby, but we have a new baby. And, you know, so we've quarantined hard. And I'm fortunate enough where we have a lot of delivery services here for grocery stores so we don't have to go out. But if I had to go out, I'd be going into a grocery store where other people are there. And I have no idea how they're living their lifestyle. So what's the point of me being quarantined? If, mm -hmm. you know, if um, coronavirus is, is, um, is airborne, the inevitability is that everybody's going to catch it sooner or later anyway. But yeah, I, I don't know, man. I don't, that's a, that's a really interesting question. Um, and I don't have the philosophical wherewithal at this moment right now, um, having drank all this coffee, um, to have a discussion about the nuances of, of, of all of this right now. Um, yeah, it's overwhelming, right? I think, I think, I think for you're probably doing it. I'm doing it. Is just keep keeping your head down and doing what's best for the people that are around you, while making sure that if you are going out in public, you're exercising, you know, safety precautions to protect other people. But you're right. It's it's just more of. Um, I was on I was on a webinar and they specifically asked me to be on there to talk about what I think are the going to be the trends, you know, in HR moving forward. And I really tried to tell them, I know it's probably not the answer they were looking for, but I really tried to explain to them that it's, it's hard to, I don't want to be like everyone else and just say like, Hey, this is going to happen because things change every single day. And so all I said was that HR in general and companies are going to have to be more agile. Um, you're going to have to be able to, you know, make quick decisions, be, you know, be able to pivot as new legislation comes out um, or new types of, you know, services come out. What do you, what do you, what do you foresee in terms of like 
pivoting that might come out in terms of like legislation? Like, what do you, like, what would an example of that be? Um, an example would be new wage and hour laws. Um, if you have, if you have a remote, you know, workforce, um, I'm curious to see if wage and hour will catch up with everyone working from home. Now, I'll give you an example. Um, during this time, we're, we're working from home, but we have our kids and then our kids have to be set up on whatever it is they need to be set up on for school. And then, you know, you obviously have to feed them <laughs> throughout the day. And so if I'm a non-exempt employee, if I'm, it's almost like you're clocking in and clocking out a lot more times throughout the day, right? And our current wage and hour laws make it very difficult to do that because they have the meal period, you know, mandate where you have to clock out for a meal period with, within, by the end of your fifth hour of work. And so how do you measure that five hours now? So can I ask you a question that has more to do with policy and less to do with like logistics of, of what you're just proposing, right? Because the same is true all over the world, right? My wife is working from home. We have a new child. She's constantly coming up and down, you know, like she wants to come play with the baby sometimes. Sometimes she needs, she needs to help me with like, you know, bringing me a bottle or whatever. Um, and I have friends who are in Switzerland um, they work from home, they have a child, same exact sort of work situation. And of course, this changes when you have a teenager versus, you know, a toddler versus a new baby, like the, the, the needs change. But why do we have to as sort of like, because this questions, th these questions aren't being asked here um, in Europe, right? Like there aren't like, oh, do we need to change our clock in, clock in, uh, clock in, clock out, out? It's generally accepted that you're a grown up, you work for a company, you're getting paid a salary. So, you know, be a normal human being, answer the emails, answer questions, pick up the phone calls when it's needed. You know, like just, and most people are professional enough to say, hey, listen, like I'm working, you know, 35 hours or 30 hours this week and I need to get all my work done. And that's what they do. Like, it doesn't, you know, you know, my wife isn't like spending four hours downstairs, you know, like if she's spending any time, maybe like five, 10 minutes, which is five, 10 minutes you're wasting in an office anyway at a water cooler conversation, taking a little bit too long in the bathroom, taking a little bit too long at lunch or, you know, not coming in on time, leaving a little bit early. So that's sort of like, why can't we have that same system? Why do we need to sit down and think about like, you know, now we have to change these entire policies and, you know, introduce bills and, then you have like all of these like sort of like complicated issues that happen as a consequence of mm -hmm. um, a, uh, as a consequence of creating these things. So is it that, which is it? Is it the chicken or the egg? Which is coming first? Is it professionals like you who are demanding all of it? Or is it the lawsuits that follow this? And then you say, okay, well now we need to have these policies in place. I just find it, you know, sort of irritating that that's the, the, the lowest common denominator that you can figure out. That's what, we've, that's what we're aiming at. We're aiming at the lowest common denominator here and saying that's what we're going to look up to. Rather than saying, listen, I know my employees aren't working 100%. But I also know they weren't working 100% when they were in the office. Right? Mm -hmm. Like At best, they were probably using 10% of their brain power for maybe like... 40% of the time they're in the office if I'm really, really lucky. And that's the truth, right? Like people zone out, 
people like, you know, I watching YouTube or looking at you. I mean, it's just sort of like naturally these things happen, no matter how, what kind of a type A personality you are, the, the distractions happen and, you know, we take a little bit long for lunch and, but if projects are getting done on time, I'm, I'm okay with it, you know, like, and I'm a hard boss to work for you. You know that because you've, you've seen, you've seen my style. So if one of my employees comes to me and says, well, Omar, I have to, you know, I have a toddler in the house and, you know, I need to feed, feed him or her. I don't, I don't care. Make sure the work's done. Don't clock in and out 12 times. Don't create a headache for yourself. Just, you know, make sure you're whatever. But here's the difference, right? I asked that question. Actually, you know, go ahead and answer because I'm curious. Well, that's it. Well, that's the thing is it's, it would be nice to be able to have, you know, to be able to give people that type of flexibility and, and, and to believe that people, you know, will have the same type of thoughts that you're having or the, the same types of expectations. But the, the problem is our laws don't encourage that, right? Our laws say, if you know, you have to make a certain amount in order to be considered exempt, right? Then our laws say that you have to take a meal period within fifth hour, your fifth hour of work. And, and so it doesn't give the, that type of flexibility. It, almost, it doesn't encourage people in this, at least right now in the world we live in, to be able to, you know, work with their, do whatever they need to do with their kids as long as their projects get done or their tasks are completed. On top of that, we have predator lawyers. We have lawyers that are actively looking for employees who maybe employees who otherwise didn't really question it that much or didn't really like think about it but because they're being advertised to on the radio, on the internet, on i on podcasts, in your music, you know, Pandora, whatever it is that you listen to, they're being advertised to saying, before it used to be, hey, if you feel you were wrongfully terminated, uh, give us a call. Now it's saying, if you were terminated, period, <laughs> to give them a call because they're gonna find a way to come up with some reason to be sued, you know, or some reason to sue your former employer, even though, and it's ridiculous, Omar, I have seen like the settlement, the formal documents of, of like the demand letters, right? The demand settlement. It's so, it's ridiculous. Okay. Maybe there was a couple of like meal periods or they weren't taking the meal periods by the fifth hour, but maybe we're taking them by the sixth. You know what I mean? And what it is, it's like they wrap up because now the statutory limits is three years. And so they go back all three years and they make this assumption that every day you worked the last three years, you were not paid for a meal period violation. Then they take that lump sum and they add penalties, you know, and and whatever else, interest, anything else. And they turn like, let's just say a meal period violations of like $1,000, they turn it into like $30,000. Like your net, your net output in that case, it's a negative net output because now you substantially hurt this business that employs other, you know, other people with families who could potentially go out of business now because they have to meet these demands. You, now this employee that you've helped get money for essentially nothing is going to go do it again with their next employer or encourage, you know, the people around them to do the same thing. 
And it's just, there's no positive output. It's, it's just negative, right? Everything that they do is negative all for, you know, 10,000 or $20,000. And so we are not, we are not working in a government that encourages the type of behavior that, you know, you and I wish that we could encourage to our employees just because employees are, you know, employees are going to be driven by money if a lawyer is going to contact them and say, hey, I can get you $50,000. Have you looked at the HR statistics um, in terms of terminations, um, termination related lawsuits in other states outside of California and New York? Because I'm really curious to know how it's, how it is like, I don't know, in Texas, one of the Dakotas, you know, one of the mm -hmm. Carolinas, anywhere else, you know, I'm just kind of Cal curious. California is by far the most litigious state. That's why we have like the most strenuous wage and hour laws. Um, I, outside of that, New York is starting to become like California. Um, I've, I've noticed a, a lot over the last three years, I've noticed a lot more wage and hour laws. Whereas before, you know, they didn't really have too many restrictions, but the thing that they don't realize is that this, this actually hurts their residents because if you go into New York city, which New York city has, they're, pro they're the most strict in all of New York, right? They have like their, spe their special municipality laws. The people, most of the people who work in New York City don't live in New York City. Like they don't live in Manhattan, right? They're, they're usually commuting from, you know, uh, Brooklyn or Queens or, you know, some other area. Jersey. Yeah. And so for them, a lot of these em employees, they just want to come work their eight straight eight hours so they could just go home. They don't really care about taking a meal period. They actually, you know, I have clients with locations in New York and it was a problem to try to get them to adhere to the meal period law because they're, they just didn't understand if, if they're scheduled for six hours, now they have to, cause the meal periods are unpaid, right? Now they're going unpaid for 30 minutes. So now they're only getting paid for five and a half hours. All of them rather just get paid for the full six hours and then go home. You know what I mean? So I don't, I mean, based, this is in the hospitality industry, which I was thinking that the laws, you would think most legislation would support people like, you know, in the, you know, the hour, the lower wage demographic, right? It ends up hurting them. In California, California love it because, you know, we're a lot, we're lazier here in California than, than the people in New York. But it, either way, it's been a detriment. Either way, they're losing wages for to take 30 minutes to eat a snack that only really takes them 10 minutes to eat. So I just, I, I wish that we had more flexible abilities with our employees. I wish that we can say like, hey, go just as long as you finish your, your projects, meet your deadlines, I'm fine with it. I'm fine. I don't care if you work every, you know, you take an hour break every two hours. I don't really care as long as your work gets done. But the problem is our legislation does not support that. You got me all worked up. I'm all worked up now. 
I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I've been worked up about stuff like this anyway, so <laughs> join the party. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, again, like for, obviously this, this really just applies to like non-exempt employees. Um, but again, the, the minimum exempt salary, it's increasing every single year. You Why? Know? What's, what's the incentive of staying in California? I mean, you and I know that, and for those who are listening out of state, for the last 10 years, there's been a mass exodus of, um, actually 15 years, I, would, I should say. Um, there's mass exodus of corporations leaving California, large and small, um, starting off with like Nissan. I think Nissan was one of the first companies, um, large corporations to leave California. What's the advantage of staying in California? It really depends on like who your target customer is mate or your target client is. I think, um, I mean, now LA has like a huge technology sector, right? Like they're calling it Silicon beach now instead of, as opposed to Silicon Valley up North. So it really depends on who your target client is and what types of sales you're in. But for the most part, I feel a lot of companies can go out of state and still function very highly or be profitable. I just read, I was reading Inc. Magazine. I just read about Reno. A few years ago, I was helping a client, um, I was helping them recruit for a GM position, like a, a warehouse GM in Reno. We couldn't find any good candidates. Now, every it's like bustling. Now you have... A, technology companies out there. I mean, everybody's moving because it's just more profitable. It makes more sense. Nevada and Arizona, which are our neighboring states, have far less stringent employee-related mandates. Far less. Right. And the cost of living, obviously, is a lot cheaper. Yeah. Well, Tony Shea started the entire movement um, in terms of tech companies being in, 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 in Reno, or rather in Nevada, um, with, with Zappos. Um, but, you know, Austin has a really burgeoning um, and well-established tech, um, tech hub. Same thing with Boulder. I think there's definitely pockets everywhere, um, everywhere else. Um, Boise. Boise has come a long way over the last few years. I mean, hmm. the thing is, is overall, I mean, if, if we look 10 years or 20 years down the line, the same thing's going to happen to those states if the federal government doesn't get involved and, and try to somehow make sure that these states aren't also going to get more, you know, strict like California and New York has them because the more employees you, you put into states, the more laws are going to be put in place. Right. It's just, that's just how it works. And so, you know, I was having this conversation with a client who they're considering outsourcing to another country at this point. They're considering outsourcing, like, you know, their, some of their administrative needs, some marketing needs here and there. Um, and, you know, at my first, my initial, my initial reaction was, oh, I would never do that because, you know, I'm American and I love America and I want to offer jobs to Americans. And, you know, I have this whole, you know, philosophy and then uh, times you know, time had passed and now we're moving into, we moved into something that is now happening. And I was just thinking like the U S does not incentivize, like there's no incentive to employ people here. 
Like they're, they're not giving us any type of, they're making it harder to have a business here. So, yeah, I, I think like if you are in California um, and in New York, which are probably the only two states that I'm really familiar with of doing business in, um, I think if you're in one of those states, it makes it increasingly difficult to want to stay in within within those states. But I think like if you're if you are in Nevada, New Mexico, Arizona, um, you know anywhere that's not along the coast, I think you have um, a different kind of a work workforce. You have um, people who aren't who don't get sensitive as easily, and I don't know if this is gonna put people push people off but i mean the truth is that like you know um you know a lot of these states people are happy to just have a job and be working um and i think if you're a decent company and you do right by your employees i think they're going to be able to be really happy um being over there and aside from sort of like you know not paying um i don't know maybe in the philippines or if you outsource to india or something like that aside the sort of like drastic hourly difference between the wages, I think you get in terms of like legal or, um, you know, um, from the legal aspect of it, um, the protections of like not getting sued, stuff like that. I, I think they diminish drastically if you're not in one of those states. I think if you're, I don't know, if you're in New York, you happen to move to, I don't know, let's say Atlanta or something, right? I think you have less lawsuits on your hand. It, you know, again, we're talking about in a vacuum and this is all speculation, but if you're a decent decent company uh, and you do right by your employees, I think you drastically reduce your chances to maybe even zero, not getting sort of like targeted for frivolous lawsuits by, by ambulance chasing attorneys or by, you know, disgruntled employees just because they are not wired that way in those states, I think. I think those states are just generally not the kind of games they play i think in california because everybody around you does it and you know you've heard of people who do it heard of people who've got sued so you just think it's natural you know like you're like oh okay well this is like the natural sort of progression for me in germany for instance attorneys are not allowed to advertise directly to consumers hmm. it's fantastic right? you attorneys cannot have commercials that's very interesting i didn't know that yeah well okay I think we got got some good stuff in today. I feel better. I feel like, you know, I feel like I just like punched a bag or something. I think I'm going to have a great day. Good. What oh. time is it over there? Um, it's 5.30 um, and I got a whole day ahead of me right now. Hey, are you, are you guys going to come back? I don't know. <laughs> is is the <laughs> virus going to go away? <laughs> I was just curious. I was just thinking about that because when we before you left, I remember you were like, "No, I'm going to be back in March," and I I do remember thinking you're not going to be back in March. Um, no, I I mean I totally had planned on coming back. I had tickets booked and everything. Yeah. No, I knew you weren't. Um, but I I believe your next what your next like date was June, and we're approaching that. And so I was just curious. No, I was definitely coming back in March. Um, in fact, I was going to come back with a baby. The I was supposed to I was supposed to go to a wedding right around right around February when the news was breaking out about coronavirus and mm -hmm. at the time it was really big in Asia particularly in China um, and I was supposed to go to Asia I was supposed to go fly to the Philippines um, and I was actually um, supposed to officiate that wedding for really good friends of ours 
um, when this stuff happened, the I was longest, like, oh, that would probably be the longest ceremony ever if you're officiating. It would have been beautiful. Been absolutely <laughs> beautiful. Um, but yeah, so I decided, I was like, oh no, like, I, you know, obviously I'm not going to go, but I immediately had thought that I don't think I can come back to America. And immediately, I think like as that week that I decided that I wasn't going to come back in February or sorry, in March was that same exact week. I think it was like two days later or something where um, the U.S. put a ban on uh, non-citizens being able to travel to the U.S. from Europe because they, they completely stopped it. I mean, I would have been able to travel back. but And then I was like, okay, well, I'll just come back in May because um, that was the next goal. And then because I thought the ban was going to stop in, in May. Um, and now, it's, now that's not stopping, um, which means I can't. Even if I come back, all my employees are at home. So it's the reason for me to come back. So here we are. Um, thinking I was going to come back in June and now it sounds like LA isn't going to be open till August. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, and then I like absolutely knew that that wasn't going to happen. So here we are now, you know, like now mm-hmm. we're in this sort of like a zone where I don't even know whether or not um, July is going to be a date. I mean, mm-hmm. I've heard that um, there was a councilwoman in LA that was saying um, LA shouldn't be open till August. But I, I just read an article that till 2025, we are going to have coronavirus with us. I mean, the truth is that coronavirus is going to be with us for a long time, but in terms of like getting it really under control, um, it's not going to really happen until 2025, until things sort of normalize, normalized. I don't know. I don't believe, yeah. there's just so much stuff out there. You just don't mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. You don't know what to believe or what not to believe. That's why it's sometimes just better to keep your head down and, but that's part of the problem, right? Family. Like, there's no like, there's no sort of unified message that's being pushed out. Anything, right? There's right. so, I mean, the, the president comes and talks, and immediately afterwards, people are focusing on every single syllable he used in the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Um, not that he's the most intelligent um, sort of speaker, but you know, like, then they take all of his words, they twist it around, and then people forget about the message itself. And then if the message is, you know incoherent or wrong then everybody's attacking the message and then you have you know 80 different conflicting sort of arguments for that message but the problem is nobody is offering an alternative solution other than saying stay at home okay fine fuck you i'll stay at home but fucking close targets close Mm -hmm. walmart close um home depot stop letting people go to home depot for home improvement projects then really fucking flatten out the curve and then we'll stay home don't be a fucking right. asshole about it, right? I'm with you, brother. I'm with you. It's so funny because I'm like, everybody has like an opinion right now, right? And they're posting it. Like Facebook is like a shithole. I, I, I refuse to go on Facebook. Yeah. And it's, everybody's just like posting things. I'm just, you know, and I'm not going to put, I'm, I'm not putting TikTok. anybody on t- Yeah. <laughs> I still got to figure that out. Um, I feel like TikTok brings, brings like, the skank out of my kid though like the way she dances and stuff like because that's what how everybody else is dancing and so i'm really trying to like keep her off of it but she loves it and i just i don't know what to do um but anyway and i'm just like i'm reading like who's posting stuff you know and i'm just like these people like i would not listen to these people's opinions you know of course not but this and is the so, problem like every, everybody has become an economist everybody's become a, a health uh expert Mm-hmm. Everybody is a everybody is all of a sudden a politician. I'm like, right. come on, what does that meme say? You know, like well, it's because do, they're not gonna... doing anything else right now. <laughs> right. Like, no, but it's like they see like this headliner article, and then it's like everybody's just like 
reposting and resharing this like headliner article, you know, and it, and then the article is like crap, right. To begin with. But then like number two, I'm just looking at the person posting it and just like, I would not get my political advice from that person in general. And so, but then you look at the people who like, okay, whose opinions would I like, who, who has like a believable uh, opinion, you know, like someone who I know is like pretty who's trustworthy is what you're saying. Who's trustworthy. Yeah, exactly. But those people aren't really saying anything because, and I realize it's because you know, people who are more like objective and can see like, can see both sides of things and see things like from a bigger picture, you, you won't, you can't be on any side. Like you're not on any side, really. You're, yeah, you're the like, problem is, is the minute those people speak, right? Like Bill Gates, the minute those people speak, there's like entire, you know, tin hat, tin, tin foil hat conspiracy theories about eugenics and you know, like the 5G conspiracy theories. So it's almost like, you know, the people, the problem is that social media, things like YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok has given too many people the ability to broadcast a nonsensical message, right? Where in the right. past you, um, and I'm not saying the past was much better because then you only had people like, with power that gave access that had access but look in the sort of like hack Habsburgian sort of like utopia um you have to have a dog in a fight to be able to say something about something right like it's mm -hmm. just sort of like you know to have you know aunt susie who's like 83 years old you know read a sensationalized headline that's been pushed on I don't know, by the onion or, you know, by Buzzfeed that she's now quoting, right? And then that goes viral. There's like a detrimental effect to that, right? Because that message goes viral and people get genuinely alarmed by it. And then they're sort of like, that's what, you know, for the next like two news cycles, that's what people are focusing on. Because this woman said something that was high, somewhat sensationalized and people are paying attention to it. So, yeah, and but like, this all started with with less, us paying attention to the Kardashians, right? Like, and I'm not saying that they're the the, the problem of it. I'm not trying to. They're connect. kind of the problem. They're kind of the. But problem. that's that's what I'm saying. Like when they became entertainment, it's easy to see why CNN now participates in sensationalized headlines, right? Because they want the attention. Everybody wants attention, and everybody has become. Everybody's getting 15 minutes of fame, regardless. Yeah, like when people post things like about, say, like these sensational articles or these headlines that are, you know, not true for the most part, I just want to ask them, like, do you even know who, who the senators of this state are? Right, yeah. You know, because you really shouldn't, honestly, like you shouldn't. You just shouldn't. If, if, you, if you're don't in know, California, yeah, if you're in California and you don't know who uh, uh, Feinstein and Boxer are, you should not be like allowed to vote. I'm sorry. Or how about people who didn't know who Kamala Harris was? I was like, she ran for president. Like, I you're mean, in she was California. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, so I just feel like I literally feel like commenting, like, do you know, like, do you know who is, who's running our state right now? Like, like people are confusing Garcetti with Newsom, like they don't, they don't even know what the difference is. They don't know which one's the governor and which one is just the mayor of 
LA. And so I just, I feel like if you don't know that, shut up. Like you don't, you're not allowed to share this like opinion with everybody because you clearly don't know what you're talking about at this point. And you're just gassing people up for no reason. Like when people have a conversation with me, like, oh, I read that. I already check out. Like I'm out. I'm out of the conversation. Because Because it's, there's so much shit out there. 99.9% of the time they have not read the article. They've read Mm -hmm. a headline. Yeah. And I love my mom. I mean, I want to preface with saying that. Okay. But the type of crap that she- In case she's listening. Yeah. The type of crap that she like texts me, I just like, oh, babe, make sure you sit outside today for at least an hour uh, because the sun, you know, helps kill the virus. I'm like, Jesus, mom, you're in the health industry. Like you're in health. Like I can't, like, where are you- you know what I mean? Like things like that, where I, I just, I'm out. Like I ignore Mis- it. Mis- you know? misinform- misinformation is definitely rampant. And, and I don't know. How... <sighs> Let's end on a positive note, right? I don't know how to stop, how to stop the sort of misinformation. But here's my message until we pick this up in two weeks. Or until you publish this and you know, people listen to it. Focus on the things that matter in your life right now. What matters in your life is your immediate family. It's the people that you have direct connection to. Once a week, if not every few few times a week, get on the phone, get on the phone or get on a FaceTime call or a Zoom call with everyone that you love. That that means that means something to you. Those are the kinds of things you need to focus on right now. Everything else out there is noise. The fact that we didn't have enough PPE. The fact that, um, I, I don't know, Trump could have acted sooner. Um, did China release this on, on purpose? Are we going to go to war with China? These are things that you have no control over at this point. It's not on a ballot. There's no reason for you to work yourself up for it. Focus on the things that really, really matter in your life at this moment. And try to grow those, uh, grow those relationships, grow those sentiments, grow those feelings. And that's it. Beyond that, learn uh, a, a, a skill, a discernible skill. When we come, come out of this and you haven't taught yourself a new skill, fuck you. You deserve to work for everyone. You don't deserve anything. I'm learning if TikTok. You, I'm telling you. I, well, you, know, you and I have talked about this. I'm telling you that's your next move. Um, I know. I know you keep saying that. if you haven't learned a skill coming out of this, I don't care what that skill is. A few bars on the piano. Um, you've taught yourself how to code. You have um, read a few few more books than you normally would. You have taught yourself a new language. You and your child have a better relationship. You and your mother have a new, uh, better relationship. If you haven't been able um, to pick up a new skill with all of these hours that you have at home, shame on you. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not, you're going, that's not positive. Let's keep it. So positive ended on a positive note. <laughs> no, the, po- the positive um, note is that you have all the time to be able to do it. Positive note, you say connect to people that you care about every yes. week or whatever. Mm-hmm. This is why we connect every other week. Cause I love you, Omar. Yes. I love you. Have, thank you. You're welcome. This is we'll good. Yeah. Yeah.